All right, praise God. Well, I have a message for you, part two on true worship today. And um, I just love the flow of our worship and, and um, our songs and the display that happened today because part two of my message is called Pour Out to God. And I'm going to talk to you about pouring out. And I don't know if I'm going to continue this. I might. I have a couple other studies that I might bring that will attach to worship. But I really want to talk about pouring out to God and, and what that means. I believe we're living in a time where God is looking for worship. I really do. I believe he's looking for true worship, not just at church, but even at home, where we're really having that intimacy with God and, and really worshiping God and taking time to be with the Lord. So I, I think in helping you understand forms of worship will help you be comfortable in how you worship God. Amen. So we're going to talk about being pouring out. And I don't know where you're at today. I know some of us may have come in very overwhelmed or those that are watching, just life has hit you really hard. You just find yourself overwhelmed and troubled and having a hard time finding that place of peace and joy. And I believe um, this portion of this message will help you find that place again, find where God's peace and God's joy is at. And maybe you're here today and uh, you're okay, uh, but God wants to just give you something a little bit more. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I believe worship is sweeping our nation, sweeping our country. We're seeing little pockets of it. We saw Asbury not too long ago. We saw this great outburst of worship. I believe God is taking worship out of even the roof of the church and, and putting worship on the streets. We're seeing it all over the, the nation of people worshiping on the streets today, outdoor worship. And my heart is to do an outdoor worship, not my heart, we're going to do an outdoor worship event here because I think there's something about getting out of our traditions and allowing true worship to happen and letting the community come and worship God. And so I believe us when we learn to pour out of our, our heart to God, it's important that we learn to pour out because there's things that you're carrying and we can dismiss it. You know, if we love God long enough, we know how to tuck it away. We know how to sweep it under the carpet. But I believe God is calling us to really pour out of what we're going through into his presence. And I want to teach you how to do that because God doesn't want you to carry the things that you are carrying that maybe are troubling your heart or overwhelming you or, or bringing you down. God wants gave you a way of worship to get that out of your heart so that you can walk in the freedom of God. How many would love some freedom of God? So we're going to talk about being pouring out today. So we're going to start with Psalms 142 verse 2 and verse 5. And this is David, and we know David, God bless him, he always found himself in low points of life, didn't he? The enemy was always after him. He was always going through some struggles, but he knew how to find his way back to God. And that's the point that I want to bring today. And so here's David in a very low point in his life. And the first thing scripture says, David said, I pour out, say I pour out, I pour out my complaint before him. And I think that we have to understand that it's okay to talk to God about the things that are troubling your heart. We need to get real with God and quit pushing it under the carpet because these troubling things are coming up on the inside of us. And David clearly showed us, and I'll show you in scripture, that there is a worship of pouring out your complaint. 
Not where you're just going and complaining to God. Let me say amen. But the heart, the seat of your affections where you're saying, God, I am troubled about my family. I am troubled about this situation. I'm overwhelmed. It's captured my heart beyond my ability. If that's where you might find yourself today, then we need to learn to pour out to God. He said, I poured out before him my complaint, the things that are causing anxiety, the things that are causing trouble, the things that are overwhelming your heart where you can't find the miracle. And yes, the Bible says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And there is a form of worship, of worshiping him beyond our circumstance. But sometimes we just need to learn to pour out and just get real with God. So I'm going to give you a quick example today. And I didn't tell the ushers I was doing this, so don't freak out because I have fire this morning. <laughs> Praise God. Pray for me. I might need an assistant. I don't know. I'm used to having my lapel. So what I want to show you is um, this candle represents what you're going through. You know, what's overwhelming your heart? What's the situation that is so big in your life? And we're used to that existing in our life, right? Just like you're used to the candle. This is what's normal. So we, we take normal into what we're going through. And God wants to break that, that not to be normal in your heart. You're not to be troubled about many things. You're not to have an anxious heart. You're not to be overwhelmed. And so when you look at that word pour out, it means two things, which I think is so powerful. One of it means um, to speak freely what you feel deeply. You guys are just listen to me talk. Are you listening? Come on, turn on those Jesus ears. It's to speak freely what you feel deeply. In other words, in private, if you go a little deeper in it, to speak in private what you are feeling deeply. So there are things on the inside of us that we are to go to God and we're to speak freely. We're, we're to give it to him. We don't stay there, but it is part of our worship to say, I am going through this situation, and I don't want my circumstance to look the same way that it is right now. And your worship can change the form of your circumstance. Might kind of know where I'm going with this. And so if you go a little further in the word pour out, it means to melt or pour into a mold or to make a mound. So what happens here? The fire is coming, hallelujah. I hope this thing's worked. This is your circumstance, right? This is what you're going through. This is what the shape of something that you need change. When you worship God, it is what the word means is, oh, please let it work, is there is a, it's a melting, right? It's a pouring out. And so what happens as you are talking to God as you are telling him deeply what you're experiencing privately, ooh, I almost burnt down. It is changing form. You're pouring out. When you give the sacrifice of praise, you're pouring out. Well, God, it doesn't feel different yet. Keep pouring out. Keep worshiping him. Keep speaking the word of God. We, we shared last week many forms of worship was lifting our hands, bowing, shouting, quiet, keep pouring out in his presence. When you worship him, it's not in vain. You may not feel different in the moment, but as you're worshiping, that situation is changing form. You're creating a new mold of that situation, right? 
So without further ado, because we'd be here forever. But what do I have? As you worship, it's changing. My circumstance doesn't look like it looked before by our worship. And if I'd had enough time to pour more, more wax, it changed the shape of my worship. It changed the shape of my circumstance. It literally molds it into what the word of God says it is. That's powerful. That's supernatural. So when you're lifting your hands and you're worshiping God or you're, you're kneeling, you're literally pouring out of that circumstance that hasn't changed and God is shaping it into his image and his word. That's supernatural change. Amen? You can fast, you can pray, all those things are wonderful, but scripture is showing that when you worship and you're pouring out, it causes a change in your circumstance. So as you're worshiping, see that child serving God. As you're worshiping, see your marriage coming together in unity. As you're worshiping, worshiping, pouring out to God, see the finances and the resources coming because God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Worship is powerful. It's just not our words. It's not just our emotional experience that's attached to it. How many love a good emotional worship? I love it. We had a powerful supernatural worship this morning. Presence of God swept across this room. Did you image what the Holy Spirit changed in your life? Amen? What was God changing? Was he giving healing? Was he giving you your joy back? Was he giving you your peace back? Was he restoring first love in your life? Worship should not be just poured out in vain. It should be poured out saying, God, this is my complaint. This is my heart. I'm giving it as worship to you, and you are going to change it by your spirit. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, you can put that scripture back up, I tell my trouble. That is Psalms 142. I tell him my trouble. I cry to you, Lord, and I say, you are my refuge. There are some times in worship where we need to cry out to God. This reserved worship, when we come to God, like, everything's fine, everything's good, I'm worshiping, I'm waving the beautiful flag of worship, and that's a beautiful part of worship. But sometimes there are worship when you're at home that you need to cry out to God. You need to be in your car and cry out to God that's pouring out of your heart. I need to tell you, Lord, I'm troubled about many things. And when you do that, God changes, as I said before. But when you're in worship, all of a sudden, what looked like trouble, you'll be like David. You'll say, you are my refuge. And even though all of this is hard and all of this is difficult, when you worship by pouring out your truth of your deepest secrets of your heart, now God becomes the place of refuge. What is refuge? Refuge is a place from danger. It's a place from harm. It's a place from falsehoods. Where does the enemy play games in our life? The mind. Our soul believes that it is truth, but it is a lie. So when you pour out your heart, you're now entering into refuge that keeps you safe from the lies of the enemy. Has anybody just turned worship on in your home and you truly cry out to God? I mean, you're really like, God, I need all that you are. And in that moment, your heart changes. 
In that moment, you feel peace. Even though it hasn't fully changed out here yet, worship brings you to the place where God is. And if it isn't, you need to get to that place to go into his place of refuge and learn the presence of God. Amen? It also means it keeps you away from the storm. There are storms of life. And so when you pour out like the candle, God brings you in. He brings you to a safe place. My portion in the land of the living. I want to look quickly at Psalm 62, 8, where David validates this again. He says, trust him at all times, you people. I love that. You people. <laughs> Pour out your heart before him. I believe we, we're troubled about many things. And we love God, and we want the best of God, and we can misinterpret being real with God with lack of faith. And that is not true. There is a place that we have to come to to get real with God. Amen? I'm struggling. I'm hurting. It's a real. I trust in you at all times, but I'm going to pour out my heart to him. For what? For God is my refuge. Now, I'm going to go somewhere with this. God is your refuge. When you think of a place of refuge, you almost think of like, and if you're American and you travel, if you've gone to other countries, there is the American, um, what is it called again? Empathy. If there's any trouble and you're not on American soil, you are running to American embassy. You see it in all the movies, right? Why? Because that is safe ground. I'm protected on American soil in the enemy's land. When God becomes your refuge, you run to that place of safety, that place of protection. The enemy doesn't have right over you. He doesn't have jurisdiction over your mind and your heart or even the circumstance. He says, I will become your safe place in the land of the enemy. Now, I want to show you something here. In the Bible, there are six Levitical cities that were mentioned. I don't know if you've heard of this, but there's six Levitical cities that were labeled a place of refuge. And you could put the uh, map up there. If, if you committed murder or crime and you needed a safe place, there were six cities that were labeled. You could get there. If you could get to that city, you would be safe. That's pretty cool. So God created, and we're going to look at these in just a minute, but God created refuge even back in the Bible days when there's harm or danger or even if you've done something wrong. God is calling you to refuge. And even today, he's calling you to that place of refuge. So if you look at these cities and they're kind of small, are they bigger? Yeah, they're a little bit better back here. I'm going to read these to you and just keep this up for a minute. Kadesh the first city that you see at the top means this. It means holy, sacred, cleanliness, or purity. So when there's harm, I can run to, oh, let me go to the first one. I'm sorry. No, you're, yeah, don't, yeah. Yeah, don't put that up yet. Just the other one. There you go, sweetheart. I'm going to just read these to you quickly. So the first place is the place of, of um, holiness, of purity. God will drive you in the pouring out to a place of purity. He'll cleanse your heart. He'll renew you. He'll forgive you. He'll restore back to you in those places of refuge. It's a holy, sacred place with God. The second city that you see, Golan, there means this. It means a passage or a revolution. 
See, when there's a places of refuge, God says, I will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I will be a passageway for the new beginnings in your life. Revolution means a radical change. It means different. So when, you, when you're seeking refuge in God, God will lead you to that place for radical change. I'm, I'm sharing stuff better than y'all are kind of shouting at me, but that's okay. I'll just continue to teach the word. Number three, Romoth, it means high places. God will bring you to the high places. Where is Jesus seated? Heavenly places. Refuge brings you to the high place. Do you see the hope of the refuge of God? It's so powerful. Bezir, Bezer, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but it means vines or branches. And what does the Bible say? He is the vine and we are the branches. He brings you that place where he's there, and he'll intertwine with you. He'll come in your circumstances. He'll come in your situation, and he'll let you know everything's going to be okay. He'll let you know that he's got it all worked together for good. He'll let you know, I know the beginning from the end. You're intertwined with the Father when you're pouring out in a place of worship. Hebron means united or joined together in friendship. And Shechem means a place appointed. It doesn't mean this, but it was a place appointed for the meeting of the people of Israel. It was a gathering place for the people of Israel. And it means back or shoulders. So I want you to put all those cities up there. And I want you to look at the place that God brings us to when we pour out. He brings you. He makes a way for freedom. He brings you to a holy place of purity. He sets you up on high places. He will gather you together with the people. He'll unite you together, and he'll be the vine to your life. This is the power of worship. When you get a picture of when you worship God and you pour out to him, get this image that God is changing things. He's rerouting things. He's moving things in your favor. He's changing your heart. He's changing the situation. Your worship is not in vain. Amen? God is a safe place. And when you realize that, you will run into that safe place and begin to pour out to him. I want to look at Lamentations 2.19. And it says this, Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That you can be driving in your car and pour out of your heart like water. Pour out of your situation. It doesn't always have to be bad. It can be anything that you're experiencing, right? For a lot of us, people are a safe place in our life, amen? We have people that are, we get to them and they feel safe. If you have children, what do the children want to do? They want to get to mom and dad if they don't feel safe. I don't know what it is, but when mom shows up and there's like a monster under the bed, that monster's gone when mom and dad's there, right? If I got my arm hanging over the bed and that monster's going to grab my arm, not anymore because mom and dad are there, right? There's a safety and a protection that comes when you know the one that you're with, you're safe with. Nothing changed. The boogeyman wasn't really there, but the heart of that child felt safe. So what you're going through may not change yet, but when you run to God, it's a safe place. You know that you are guarded and you're protected and you're trusting in him. Just like the woman with the alabaster box. 
It's such a beautiful picture of worship. In Luke chapter 7, let's look at a few of these verses. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, being Jesus. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Say sinner. It's the candle. It's the struggle she's going through. She came in one way, but she wanted to leave a different way through her worship. You come to God, well, all that you are, you're not perfect when you come to him in worship. Aren't you so glad? But the Bible says, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table, she came in broken. She came in with whatever was going on in her reputation. We're not quite sure which Mary it was, but she came in with the purpose to find Jesus at the table. When you go to worship God, you go with the purpose knowing that he is there. He is sitting at the table. He is there to hear your request, to hear your prayer. And not only that, he's there to change the situation. We don't go into worship so that we can get better. We go into worship to find Jesus. And what happens when we find Jesus? We get better. Do you see that pouring out? You've got to change the perspective that you're going to get something from God. I'm going to find him. I'm going to sit at the table with him. So she knew. She became acquainted with where he was located. Some of us need to get reacquainted with where Jesus is located. In that secret place. In that refuge. And in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. What was she doing? She was pouring out herself. She was weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. What was she doing? She was pouring out. See, when you really know that Jesus is showing up in your worship, everything will come pouring out. Your heart your joy, your love, and your gifts, which is even part of the message today. But everything, when you know Jesus is present in the middle, everything of your worship will begin to pour out to him. Mary went with one thing in mind, and that was to meet Jesus. That's it. But if you continue in the story, the Pharisees had their own agenda with Jesus. Religion has its own agenda. What can I get from this situation? What is Jesus going to change in my life? How come it isn't working? I'm not spiritual enough. I didn't fast enough this week. I didn't pray enough this week. Religion always has its own agenda. And so what happened? Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, and would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And if you look between those, two ver those few verses there, Jesus gave a parable of forgiveness. He had to paint the picture that I have forgiven her. I have redeemed her. He gave this whole parable. And then look at this in verse 44. Then he turned to the woman, I love this, and said to Simon. Jesus didn't look and bother to look at the religious leader. He looked at the woman and spoke to Simon. That's the beauty of worship. God isn't looking at the accusers. God isn't looking at what you've gone through. When you come into his worship to pour out, he stops and looks at you. You are the only one in that moment. 
You are the only one in that room because Jesus is looking at you. He, you've got the heart of worship, and he wants to give you something. He wants to change your circumstance. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I have entered your heart, and you gave me no food, no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. What was he saying? He said, you gave me no worship, but she gave me all her worship. And that's the difference. Amen. You can invite Jesus in, but it doesn't mean you're entering into true worship. It doesn't mean you're really pouring out your heart to God and getting real with God. Some of my greatest breakthroughs in my journey of serving God has been when I got real with God in those moments. I didn't just try to walk and pray and push it all away and have this high agenda and this high emotions. I had to get in and lay prostrate before God and say, I am feeling this way and I am going through this situation pouring out to God. Amen? This woman was an outcast. She was abused. But she said, I'm going to give you my most valuable possession, which is my worship. And we shared this last week. If you didn't listen to it yet, you should. But that worship of her perfume was a fragrance of God's worship. That's why when Pastor Chuck said that today, I was like, it's a, wor- it's a fragrance. The whole room knows your worship. Everyone there knows your word. God knows the smell of your worship. <laughs> I saw this TikTok and this lady, she was going on about the shofar, which I'm, I'm not, I have nothing against the shofar, but she was saying that's our only form of, uh, of uh, the battle is the enemy knows the shofar, the enemy knows the shofar. And I'm like, well, actually, the enemy knows my sound. <laughs> I don't need a shofar. I've got worship. I've got my intimacy. I know who God is. I can pour out to my father with my own shafar, my voice that he gave me. We don't need all these tools to get this presence and breakthrough from God. Is it a beautiful thing? Yes. If any of you can play it, please let me know. I think that's super cool, but we don't need that. The enemy knows the sound of the spirit of God. And so when you're worshiping, he has to bow his knee. When you're worshiping, he has to flee. He has to surrender in true worship. That's good news. And so what did this woman do? She pressed through. This woman was not allowed in the room. She wasn't invited in the room. There was rejection in the room. She heard it when she first walked in in the room because Jesus spoke to it and rebuked it, and she didn't care. Listen, there are going to be things that are going to try to steal your worship. I'm talking about pouring out. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be the feeling of I don't want to. There's, I'm not worthy. Nothing's going to change. That's going to try to hold back your true worship. But be like the woman and say, I don't care what it takes. Jesus is in that room, and I'm going in there to meet him. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to push through fear. She pushed through prejudice, shame. But she created the most intimate moment recorded in Scripture. Thousands of years later, we're still learning because of her true worship. It's powerful. God is our place of worship, isn't he? He's our place of refuge. 
So number one this morning, and I'm going to go quickly because I have just a couple things to share. Number one, remember the faithfulness of God in your life. When you're pouring out, how does that work? You remember the faithfulness of God. Look at Psalms 42, verse 3. David, again, he was broken. They believe he wrote this chapter. They're not sure, but they're pretty sure that he did. And it says this in verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night. Why people say to me all day, where is your God? Have you ever felt that before? Your heart is broken. Where are you, God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. David was being real with God. He remembered how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. What was he doing? He was remembering what God did. When you are going into true worship, you have to remember what God did. You have to bring to remembrance where he healed you, where he saved you, where the miracle was there before, where your children is safe and serving God now. Remember the goodness of God. And when that happens, David began to remember when he was in the house of the Lord. In verse 5, something shifted. He said, why, my soul, are you so downcast? He began to speak to himself. See, when you're in true worship, you're going, Barb, why are you troubled about this? God is greater. God is a supplier of needs. The word of God doesn't return void. Sometimes you got to look and say, I am not going to be here. I'm not going to be troubled. goes on to say, why are you so disturbed within me? Sometimes you got to ask yourself, why am I troubled about these things? If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen? You've got to get real. He said, why am I so disturbed? He told himself, David, put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. What happened? He changed the mold. He poured out to God, I'm, I'm troubled. I've been crying, but I remember your goodness. And as he did, he changed the mold of his circumstance, and it brought him back to God. That's so powerful. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3.19, he was so broken. The first 20 verses of this chapter was complaining to God. He was lamenting. He was struggling. We might look at it and go, stop complaining, Jeremiah. Where's your faith at, Jeremiah? Why don't you trust God, Jeremiah? But he needed to pour out. It shows clearly in scripture. He lamented to God for what he was going through. In verse 19, he said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. My soul is so downcast within me. He was crying out to God. Yet, verse 21, what does he say? Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because, the Lord, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. He poured out to God. He got real with God. And he said, but with all of that, I'm going to call to mind that I have hope in my God. I have hope in his word. And what he did for me before, he is able to do for me today, right now. God's promises don't stop because he did it once. He wants his promises to happen over and over and over again. And I hope that I'm stirring up some faith and some um, trust in God today and some fire of God to get into your true worship 
Because why? His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. What I love about this with Jeremiah is he was talking about God. He's like, my God is good. My God's great love. His compassion never fails. He was talking about God. But once he went through that experience, look at the last few words he said. He began to talk to God. He said, great is your faithfulness. What happened? The mold changed. He went in one way and he came out another way. He said, I know my God is this, and I know the word says this, but because he changed, he came out saying, my God, you are great, and you are mighty. Amen. We've got to go back and remember, call to mind the goodness, goodness of God. Every one of us can know when God healed us. When God met us in dark places, when he financially was there and stabled us, we've got to go back and just remind God of all those good moments and say, God, what you did for me there, you're going to do for me now. And I receive your joy. I receive your peace. I receive your hope. I'm not going to bow down to my circumstances, but I'm going to trust in the God that I worship. And number two. Trust in God's faithfulness for your future. Remember what he did, but trust him for the future. The psalmist David, once again, he was always so honest. He once again was in spiritual crisis. But what you see here with David's heart, I looked this chapter up, and it talks about he was devastated by his own ruin in life, his own behavior, but he was also hurt for the future of the people. And I think it's so important right here to just sit for a minute because we're living in a world where we're going to have to really rely on God. We don't, we don't know what's happening in the natural. We don't know the destructions that's happening in the world and even our own country. We don't, we don't know the plans of the enemy. And David was, he was lamenting. He was so troubled, not about himself, but about the people. There are things about the world we may be carrying trouble with. And this is where David found himself. And so in um, verse 1, it says, Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me, for when I am in distress, turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. In my distress, I groaned aloud and reduced to skin and bones. I lie awake. Does that sound like a troubled man or what? Troubled, anxiety, things that overwhelm us. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies torment me. And I want you to think there. Do you think David's enemies were literally in his room tormenting him all day? No. It's the torment of his mind. It was the torment of, of his mistakes and his past and what the world looked like. He was troubled for the people because the world at that time did not look good. This isn't the first time the world hasn't looked good and God was still in control, right? But he was troubled about this. But I want you to look at, and this is something that um, Pastor Chuck said during his message, three words changed his life forever. Three words, and go to verse uh, 12. It says this, but you, Lord... I'm troubled, I'm overwhelmed, I'm losing weight, I'm full of anxiety, I don't know where you're at, God, I don't know what the future holds, I'm overwhelmed, he's pouring out to God his true feelings, but you, God, but God, 
See, no matter what you're going through, but God, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God has miracles in motion. God has divine appointments for you, but you, Lord, I know I'm sad. I know I'm disappointed. I know I'm troubled about many things, but you, God, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bill, but you, God. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this depression, but you, God, you still sit on the throne, amen? He said, but you, Lord, sit enthroned forever. How many know God still sits on the throne? He hasn't changed his seat of authority. He hasn't changed his position. He still sits on the throne. Your renown endures through all generations. Verse 17, he will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. I believe that many of you in this room are going to have a but God moment today. But God. And I don't know what you came troubled in with, but God. I don't know the things in your heart and what you're going through, and I believe some things are, are deep and maybe some things are surface, but God. Keep pressing in. Keep having authentic worship with God. And if you're not, find time to get into true worship with God. You can push through the pain to a place of praise. Why? Because you are more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. And God's grace is sufficient for you. In whatever you're going through, maybe you've lost someone, maybe you've been rejected, maybe you've been unemployed, whatever it is, maybe you don't understand where God is, all of a sudden in worship, it will unlock the blessings of God. You look at Paul and Silas, they were troubled, they, were, they weren't troubled, but they were in trouble, and they were locked up and they were bound, but what did they do? They praised God, they worshiped God, they poured out to God, and what happened? The bondages came off, and they were set free, and all the prisoners were saved, and there was revival in that city because of worship. There is a worship that can come from you, amen? Pour out your heart to God and know today that he can handle it, amen? Close your eyes this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you this morning that we will all catch this moment of truly pouring out to you in worship. That God, we will get real with you. We will get real with your presence. And Lord, we'll not be afraid to tell you where maybe we feel disappointed by you. Maybe we feel abandoned. Maybe we're troubled and concerned about things, God. That we will be real in our worship. And that Lord, as we worship you, you will change the situation. You will turn around for good, God. I just feel like so strong. You know, the enemy hates this. He hates this message. It's, he doesn't want the revelation of you really worshiping God. And there might be a little bit in your knower. Well, I know that. But God's not looking for what you know. He's looking for you to come to him. This message was because God said, I need you to come into my presence. I need you to sit before me. Some of you just need to be loved on the Lord desperately. 
Some of you just need to be filled with his hope and his joy desperately to just kind of recharge you, to get you back focused where you need to be, to reroute the agenda of the enemy. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you draw us into true worship this week, that God, we will pour out our hearts. And God, I declare in the name of Jesus that they will come out of that worship changed. I pray, God, for miracles to be released in the name of Jesus. Hearts and marriages and children's and family, a new fire and a new zeal for you, God. Whatever they have need of, God, that, Lord, they'll just not stand on the sideline ignoring it. But, Lord, they will jump into worship. They will jump into pouring out to you, Father God. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you draw us this week to true worship. Lord, we just bind the enemy in every way because I know he'd love to steal your worship. And we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus. I want to make sure everyone has their heart right with Jesus today. Maybe you're away from the Lord. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe it's the first time. We always want to make sure you have an opportunity to get before the Lord. The Bible says that he, he convicts us of sin. It's not my job to do that. It's his. He'll draw you by his Holy Spirit. So I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me this morning. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to come and be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I surrender it all to you. Teach me true worship. Teach me to be real with you. This week, I want to pour out to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Um, Lydia's mom, I'm so sorry I forgot your first name. What is it? Victoria. Um, when I was praying, I just seen the Lord giving you this rope of hope. I just seen you kind of like you're in the waves and you're just like, and you're strong and you love God and God sees that. But it's just been crashing waves. And God says, I'm giving you that rope and I'm going to, I'm drawing you in. It's life preserver. He's throwing that to you today. And we speak peace to those storms in the name of Jesus. We command the calming in the name of Jesus. Bind every working force of the enemy. Father, every place that she feels, we just take authority over it in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you extend, I know you are, that rope of hope to her today. And I hear the Lord say he's settling things. He's uh, working them for your good. There's a battle that's been happening, but God says, I'm going to have my way. I'm going to have my will. I also hear there, it's going to be in your favor that God's going to see you through. He's going to see you through because you've honored God, you've trusted God, and you've obeyed him. He said, I will not leave you forsaken. So he says, from this moment forward, come into his refuge. Come in. Don't let it steal your joy. Don't let it steal your peace. Don't even fight for it. God says, I'm fighting it for you. I'll fight the battle for you. 
I'm going to do it, says the Lord, because of your faithfulness. So just worship me, God says. Just worship me. I'm going to give you your joy back. I'm going to give you peace back. I also hear the Lord say, I'm going to put your feet on solid ground. You, you feel like, you know, when, I don't know if you've ever done a cruise, but when you get off a cruise, you've got cruise water legs. That's what it's felt like. God's going to give you your legs back, and you're going to be able to stand and secure, and it's going to get better, 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 says the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, well, stand at your feet today. Praise God. Love you all so much. Went a little longer. Y'all hungry, I'm sure. You're like, PB, we get out at 1120. <laughs> all right, Father, I thank you for this morning. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Lord, send them forth with joy, peace, and hope, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Love you. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6, 7 o'clock.